Hi everyone, I'm Jamie Lusatter and welcome to the Insight Podcast. In this episode, we're gonna be chatting with Jeremy Nishihara, Assistant Superintendent of Human Resources and Information Systems for Sunnydale. As we approach hiring season for the educational world, we wanna learn more about HR practices to both attract great employees and maintain healthy technology teams. Welcome, Jeremy, and thank you so much for making time to join our podcast. We're really excited to learn from you. And I'm also happy to welcome back our official co-host of the podcast, Jamal Boyce, who is now our new partner in this endeavor and also recently named uh, CTO of Colton Unified. Thanks, Jamie. Happy to be here. So as uh, tradition with the show, we start off with a few either or questions and all three of us are going to participate. So I'll ask the questions and then we'll just take turns sharing our opinions and find out if we're going to be best friends or not. So Jeremy, super salad. I'd have to say salad, but unfortunately no dressing of any kind. Interesting. Plain salad. (laughs) Okay. Got it. Jamal, what about you? If it was Olive Garden, I would take both, but uh, I'm a soup guy and clam chowder is my fave. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I think I could choose either either day, but uh, with this cold weather, I'm going to go soup right now. All right. Next question, Jamal, you'll go first on this one. Are you a night owl or an early bird? My wife would probably tell you I'm a night owl because in the morning, I just usually grunt and I don't know, I'm <laughs> very grumpy. So yeah, I'll say I'm a night owl for sure. Jeremy? Fascinating question. Again, I might have to split the middle. It's kind of uh, in the recent past couple of years, it's a neither. <laughs> Got to go to bed early and try to sleep in as much as possible. So I think maybe it depends on the day of the week. I, I tend to, to be more active at night, but yeah, the, the, this day job, you got to you gotta wake up early. All right. Final question, Jeremy, you'll start with this one. Mustang Mach-E or Tesla Model Y? Got to go Tesla Model Y. Jamal, what about you? Currently, I'm already in the Tesla family, and we are considering another electric vehicle with the rise of gas prices, so Mm -hmm. I'll say the Model Y as well. Excellent. Okay, thank you for helping with my current shopping dilemma. So fantastic. (laughs) Well, thank you both for playing. So today, we're really going to just, you know, talk about our backgrounds, our experiences, our roles in leadership. I think all three of us have some things to offer, but Jeremy, specifically with your role being super interesting, I'd love to start there. Tell us a little bit about your background and your leadership story. What's your current role and what led you there? So my current role is the Assistant Superintendent of Human Resources and Information Systems for the Sunnyvale School District. We're a smaller district, maybe an ADA of about 6,000 students, elementary, and so we have uh, eight elementary schools and two middle schools. So Mm. kind of a smaller district, so we are forced Mm -hmm. to wear many hats. My pathway here kind of took a maybe like a a winding um, pathway through when I first came out of college, started working in state government for Mm -hmm. a local uh, state legislature working uh, on a number of policy topics, but education K-12 policy was part of that. And that kind of started my career into uh, public ed. In the Cupertino Union School District, started off as a communications manager, became a communications director, overseeing communications and the information system side, and eventually became the chief information officer for the district, which led me uh, into my IT career. During that time was when I then decided to make a a jump to a smaller district to Sunnyvale, which is uh, interestingly just one the school district, uh, one more exit up uh, up Highway 85. So I didn't go very far, but again, landed in human resources and then had the opportunity to expand my role here and then eventually oversee uh, HR and IT. Through that career, it's been a lot of just taking advantages of the opportunities presented. Mm-hmm. And it really is kind of the network that you know kind of leads you to your opportunities. And I've just re- been really appreciative of all of my uh, career stops because it has been able to provide me just growth in my career. So I'm you know, very grateful for that and that knowledge. And then along the way, I have to give a special uh, shout out to Site, was able to go through the CTO mentor program, which really, I'd have to say, supercharged my career into uh, the upper echelons of district leadership. And then I'll just kind of close that I've been uh, public school educated. And then my parents were uh, got me really started early on. My mother was an elementary school teacher for Oak Grove Elementary School District, as well as my dad was a school psychologist. My wife is also a teacher, and then my mother-in-law is a teacher. So I come from that background of educators. Early on, I decided I can't teach. So um, that's why I have uh, landed on then on the classified IT support side of of the world, helping those that can teach uh, empower young minds. I love that you say you can't teach, yet your co-instructor with us 
in the CTO mentorship program. So you are a teacher. I'm going to change your wording there. Thank you. Uh, let's say adults. Yes, I can handle teaching adults. <laughs> Younger ones, I am a little too random sometimes. And might I add, I went through the CTO mentoring course two years ago, and I would say by far, Jeremy was the most energetic and kept us awake in a difficult, challenging time viewing virtually. So he did an excellent job. Me and my cohort all applauded him for that, his effort. Thank you for sharing your story. It's such an interesting career path as well as job title. What does cabinet look like for your district? What are the roles? So our cabinet has a superintendent. Um, Right Mm -hmm. now there's an assistant superintendent of instruction. We have an assistant superintendent of special education and student services a CBO and myself. And those are all, it's been helpful to have a leader in each of those areas, especially emerging from the pandemic, great leadership team to work with. And so, uh, yeah, we're just always trying to kind of to look to evolve. So it's, I guess, a hybrid traditional setup, but yeah, the fact that IT is at the cabinet level is actually testament to the superintendent and the board actually understanding Mm -hmm. the importance of the role that information services and IT holds. So thank you so much for sharing that. Let's dive into the topic of on the HR side specifically and and taking care of our teams. I'd love to just learn a little bit about the, I think onboarding is the secret to success. And I'd love to hear some of both of your thoughts on ways that you can successfully bring in new employees. So let's start at the beginning. Recruiting, I think, has been something that was challenging even prior pandemic. Um, We Mm -hmm. were at, what is that, record low unemployment. And so Mm -hmm. it's just really trying to attract individuals into the public sector was becoming more and more difficult. Then pandemic hit. So right now we're emerging from that. So one of our recruiting strategies is really trying to focus on your local community, because I guess you're always trying to look outward, but we really are trying to make an effort of creating uh, pathways within our organization. So once you bring maybe a classified employee in, like making sure they have pathways to grow mm-hmm. in the district, be it a on the classified side and increasing responsibilities, but also if they become interested in the certificated service or becoming a teacher to have those pathways. And so we are really focusing on recruiting and growing our own internally mm-hmm. just because there is a large investment into our employees and just really want to make them feel like they have a home, but also be able to fulfill their career goals as well. So, Yeah. And as far as me, I, and I should say I left, I just recently left. <laughs> and so I could say from the lens of just, I wasn't actively seeking, but through the process, uh, through the course of conversation, it came up. The only reason I would leave was because of a proximity to home. So that was mm-hmm. family. So just the pandemic has made everybody assess what is their priority. Of course, I don't think my house would be closer to my job. So it was the only reason I left. But I think now, as uh, Jeremy has mentioned, the teams that were considered leaving, the main issue was growth, the ability to expand. A lot of them didn't see a path to growth. And so they sought it elsewhere with my team at the district. And so even coming here, I see one of the things David Thurston implemented was like, I see the admin assistant has a pathway to matriculate up the ranks, supporting the SIS system. And several of them have done, I think four or five admin assistants have gone through this process. And now, and I came on board, we didn't even have an admin assistant. So I'll be having a new one start next week. But yeah, just providing a pathway internally, just any kind of incentive where they see growth because no one wants to remain stagnant stagnant and doing the same thing through a course of years. So that's a great point. And then Jamie, another thought that I've been having is just really checking my understanding or my assumptions coming out of the pandemic component in reviewing and paper screening. Jamal, you brought up a great point about just people's kind of perspectives changing. So wanting to cast a wide net, I want to throw away some of my old assumptions just about, you know, when you evaluate career paths and if someone appears on paper, if they've jumped around a little bit, like, I don't know, let, let me let me take a closer look at that and just mm-hmm. be a little bit more understanding just given that circumstance, because who's the judge now? We're in a whole new world and I'm wanting to make sure we have good people in the right places. So are you finding that you're going to continue with online interviews and that process as we start to come back to being in person more? 
We've just been able to actually start in-person interviews. We are leveraging a lot with the efficiency-wise for using you know remote and tele-interviewing processes. So I think we're trying to use this as an opportunity to be like, oh, it's the right tool at the right time. But to be honest, for fit and just really getting a sense of somebody, nothing beats that in-person mm-hmm. kind of conversation. Yes. And just remembering that the individual is also interviewing you, the interviewing the mm-hmm. employer when you're having those conversations. So just making sure that the in-person connection is there. So yeah, we're we're bringing that back, but also just not throwing away everything we've learned over the past two years. Because so. I wonder if we're going to start needing to find employees outside of local areas and you know what that looks like. So making sure interviews and things like that are very accessible. Yeah, I think casting that wide net is, and that was an old assumption like, oh, let's just really kind of focus on our neighbor next door. And I know I just said grow your own, but those are folks mm-hmm. within the district. But you're mm-hmm. right, to get people into the district, you have to start thinking outside the box or casting that wide net. And are you getting any requests from any applicants because of the pandemic? Some have grown accustomed to working remotely. Are you getting requests of that nature from any of your applicants to this point? Not necessarily, because we try to make that clear that, you know, the, um, it is a primarily in-person assignment and not to say that, you know, if the county shuts us down, that we have that ability to fall back. But it is interesting that we are fl- more flexible in the workplace in the sense that just given some of the, the COVID restrictions and, and, and leaves that are in place, that we try to make that a little bit more accommodating. I know some other districts and, and colleagues that they are actually creating and spinning up fully remote remote assignments. But, you know, uh, Sunnyvale, we're not quite there yet, but it is just something that definitely trying to accommodating folks' needs, but also then making sure that our schools are still a hub and supporting our students and our community. So, Yeah, that's what I'm noticing is one of the perks we can offer is somebody does have something that comes up with family, the whole tech team, we have offices at home now. So there really is a way to work from home efficiently and still get everything done and be connected through some of our tools. So I think that's been something we're going to try to hold on to. I worry that it comes down to how are we going to handle it with our labor partners and making sure that it's a fair practice. If one department can do it, why can't others? So we haven't really memorialized anything yet, but I hope that somebody, one of the districts does find a way to make that successful. That's the hard part as with classifications, both on the classified and certificated side, they all have different expectations, but obviously the classroom teacher in the classroom, we had that one year of virtual school, but now, Mm -hmm. you know, they're required to be there. And again, what supports do we need to make sure that that's where that's happening? And then Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure this is a similar dynamic from districts across the state. Like, you know, the community really expects our schools to be that center of the community, um, Mm -hmm. offering not only the school day, but also those uh, surrounding and wraparound support services. So that is going to be a trick. I know we're kind of thinking from the IT side, they actually might have a little bit more flexibility mm-hmm. um, in that regard. So it's just making sure that that we're, we're seen as not a, you know, this special little cadre mm-hmm. that can have these other rules, but also can still provide service. And actually, in some cases, it could increase service. So that's definitely uh, something that's going to have to be flushed out more. So. so Jamal, your story is pretty interesting because you came from the utility sector, right? And then moved over to schools. County. So yeah, I worked for mm-hmm. auditor controllers department. Mm-hmm. So it was, okay, it was yeah. yeah, but uh, utilities, auditor, money, whatever. <laughs> what was the draw? Like what made you make the leap to? I think them? every decision I make is based off of my family. So when I got married, well, I'm from the Inland Empire and I lived in Moreno Valley working in Riverside or lived in Ontario working in Riverside. When I met my wife, she lived in Torrance. And she worked in El Segundo. So when we got married, I made the compromise or the sacrifice to live in Torrance because her commute was already 45 minutes from Torrance to El Segundo. And I didn't want to put even more strain having her go from the Inland Empire Mm -hmm. to El Segundo. So I commuted for about three years and I'm like, uh, this is wearing on me. Let me find something closer. And I had some um, connections to the school district. And I just applied. It was a culture shock coming to a school district. Just, uh, I guess, just how, from the IT's perspective, just people's roles. Some some are go-getters and some are very laid back. And I wasn't accustomed to that because mm-hmm. I'm just used to addressing the issues as, as they come to place. And so mm-hmm. I, even in the management role now, you still have to hold staff accountable and address certain personalities and find that motivating factor mm-hmm. to get them to do their job. Some are self-starters, others not so much. So, but yeah, it's been a good experience. It was a learning experience just coming, I think, when I was on board, 
we reported to Ed Services. So hearing a lot of the acronyms, the different terms, mm-hmm. it was all foreign to me. And with the help of um, Ed Tech personnel who knew the lens of the instructional side, as well mm-hmm. as the IT side, they helped educate me. And just I learned a lot just from that experience. And now in a new role in a new district, there's different terms different divisions, some similarity. I look at things from a, a technical stance, but ultimately customer service, like what is mm-hmm. the customer service needs? And I try to support them in, in any way possible. So it's been a good experience, a rewarding experience. And I, I will also just attest going through that CTO program helped a lot just make me more well-rounded in the whole mm-hmm. experience dealing with uh, various departments, I would say. Yeah, when you were mentioning customer service, I think about one of the strongest employees that I hired was a manager from In-N-Out. He was looking for a new pathway and it was like, do we take this risk on somebody with no IT experience? The position was appropriate as an entry-level position, but coming in, there were other candidates who had a bit more experience, but something just really shone through with that customer experience. So I think that, yeah, like Jeremy, as you mentioned earlier, you have to be a little bit open-minded as you're doing your paper screening and what you're looking for now to find that right person. Yeah, yeah, and I just talking to some of even my my techs in this department, a lot of them, some came from Best Buy or some came from, like you say, customer service, uh, like um, waiters and things of that mm-hmm. nature. But and even where I was at Linwood, we looked at who could fit well with the team. We're like, we can teach the skill. We can teach mm-hmm. the tech. And but the people skills, that's something you really it's difficult to teach. So we would what worked well with us was just personality and Mm -hmm. ability to uh, work with people and the team internally. So I was taught early on from the human resources. One of those axioms are, you know, you hire for attitude and you can teach the skills because again, the individual person is the key that makes the difference, be it the teacher in the classroom or the support support individual. So I think if we just always remember that, even though we're in kind of the IT side of supporting schools, we are ultimately servicing students and, and humans, right? So the relationship component, and I think that goes back to why, Jamie, like, like I'm really excited to get back to that in-person component of making those connections. So that's just something that we've been missing for the past two years. So, so you sort of hinted at a, a future question that we were going to talk about, and that is training. So you mentioned, you know, certain skills are going to show up with the person ready to go, but then that training component is so important. What are some ways that both of you have offered training for your teams? And maybe that goes back a little bit towards your pathways discussion, Jeremy, but what are the most effective ways that you found to train your staff? I think, well, obviously you have your mandated training. So again, here's mm-hmm. your HR tip. Make sure you're completing your sexual harassment training, everybody, <laughs> and your mandated reporter. There we go. Mm-hmm. Your public mm-hmm. service announcement. I think the way we try to approach it here is through a, uh, from a personal development training standpoint, is really identifying each individual team member and what they need to succeed. And so there's a couple of, you're trying to take good instructional practice, right? You're, you're trying mm-hmm. to differentiate in the classroom. Why not apply that same concept to your, your IT team or your student? information Mm -hmm. team, because unless everyone started on the same day at the same time and has the same set of skills, they're going to need slightly different things. And so I think it does take a little bit more time from the manager's standpoint, but Mm -hmm. it does... I think pay dividends in the long haul. And again, if your ultimate goal is retention, it, it's that personal attention. And like Jamal mm-hmm. was saying earlier, those pathways, that's what's going to keep your best chance for keeping and developing great employees. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And for us, uh, we offered like the online trainings like CBT nuggets, things of that nature. And the self-starters, the ones who were trying to get those certs and whatnot, they were the ones who took advantage of those free resources. Other forms of training would be uh, some just like wanted to have meetings with their peers that were higher up the level twos, the level threes, Mm -hmm. and that they wanted that transfer of knowledge and they wanted just to have those those discussions of how do you do this? And sometimes there's that divide or you have those personalities like this is not your lane. You need to stay in your lane. So it's trying to massage, uh, work with certain individuals. It's like we're all on the same team. And like this is for a end goal of just a student uh, achievement. But then the last one, I think just as we work with vendors, a lot of the comments I would receive in the past and even just coming here, 
they don't just like when a vendor does the work and it's a transfer of knowledge. They want to be like involved in the process. So they're mm-hmm. seeing hands-on how changes were made, configurations were set in place. So then they feel they can take more ownership of it when it is the hands-off because they sometimes feel they are just dumped with the product and now they're like, left how do we support this or do we have to continue to reach out to the vendor so training in the sense of like what the stuff that we're implementing the products that we're implementing and then probably sending them to courses afterwards so that they're still more abreast of what's going on so and then another thing we i also encourage connecting with other similar structured districts in the county especially yes. coming from santa Clara county yes. we are a home of 31 school districts all crammed within a i don't know 26 Square mile rate, what I that probably got that wrong. But yeah, we we there are a number of districts that have even our same configuration with the same SIS, the same learning management system. And so it really is relying on those partners as well, so that we don't yes. have to keep reinventing the wheel. So that's another mm-hmm. kind of that informal cross-training and building relationships. So yes. Yeah, and I'll do a plug here for the site community. I recently took advantage of the new membership structure and got my whole team on board. And so now they all have access and I'm encouraging them to be a part of that, share their knowledge, help others learn from others. And, and I think that's just one more way to, to give them some training. One other thing my, my team thought of, we have our structure, you know, small school district, 4,000 students, four school sites, and we have a part-time tech at each of the school sites. There isn't a ton of mobility. Like the pathways are a little bit harder for us because we have somebody who's been in the level, the one level two position for <laughs> as long as I've been here. And he's, he's fantastic at it. So he wants to be a system admin. The level ones want to be the level two, and there's just, there isn't mobility. So we try to do our best to just make them ready to go off to a district and get a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And so we, I'm pretty open about that with them that let me t- teach you everything you could possibly need to move on. But what we discovered was you don't know what you don't know, right? So we ended up making this checklist. I had the, the level ones help make a checklist of everything you need to know to do this job. And we hired somebody new this year and I forgot to give it to him. So when we did our review, I was like, is there anything I could do to help you? And he's like, yeah, I really could have used some training. And I'm like, oh, I have this amazing structure. And he's like, I know pandemic, you were busy. And I'm like, ah, oh, I'm so sorry. And like, that was complete oversight. So yeah, we have this great system in place and it's, we're all proud of it and it does great work. And yeah, you got to remember that whole important implementation piece. <laughs> have those structures. So it goes back to my onboarding question from earlier. Like that's something I'm really, I wrote it into our LCAP this year. I added it to our HR director's goal is we need a really systemic way to take care of the people we bring in for that retaining piece that I think is so important. So I think you got me thinking because the onboarding is, there's a technical compliance, HR standpoint, but mm-hmm. that really is your opportunity to bring in and, you know, kind of set the expectations from mm-hmm. what the district is, the, the work for. You think LCAP, but LCAP is, a, is probably the wrong tool to kind of communicate that. So mm-hmm. um, Sunnyvale, we're pretty proud of our equity statement that the board mm-hmm. has developed over the past couple of years. And then HR is really trying to bring in individuals and onboard them with that that fact that this is the um, direction that we're heading. But we just want to make sure also then that the entire organization is fit that way, because once they're onboarded and brought in, you don't want the culture of the district then to send them in a different direction. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of the onboarding is just the start. And so Mm -hmm. we're trying to make sure that everyone knows within the entire district that they have a part in setting that culture and that expectation. Mm -hmm. So onboarding truly is the job of the manager, but also the department as a whole, and just making sure that you're going back and you know, kind of keeping tabs on that. So just making sure that it's not a one and done, one and continuing, or else you might be bringing in the right individuals, but are they staying because of the God. system as a whole? So that's what I'm trying to figure out. Or what are those stages or systems we can create for those continued check-ins or support procedures? Because I know when I came on board for the school district, I, it was, like I said, a culture shock. And it was just like, I was dumped in just a facility. Like I had to do my own reaching out. It was just chaotic process and those who followed after me had similar experiences and so you don't want bad taste in your mouth the the first time around and like like you said Jamie we tried to document okay I had my uh, last manager who came on. I was like, can you document everything? Because you have fresh eyes. Tell me what could we have done better in bringing you on board? Because you want to have an experience where they do feel good. Like even coming on here, I was surprised just how the soup reached out to me assistants like Mm -hmm. immediately after I got promoted, they all came and welcomed me. They, the team has been welcoming 11. So 
it actually made me feel good. Even prior to coming on, I was like excited and ready mm -hmm. to join the team. And I, and I think that first impression, like with any kind of relationship, it goes a long way and having and building connections. And because when you have that connection it is in my experience, I think it's harder to break from that once you develop a relationship and a connection with an individual. So next question I was thinking of, on the thread of the kind of ongoing support, do either of you do weekly check-ins or one-on-one -on -one check-ins with your teams? How do you keep a pulse on what's going on and what the needs are for your IT teams or HR teams in your case, Jeremy, your two teams, <laughs> however you have yet that's structured. Uh, well, I actually have three teams. So I have the HR oh, okay. side, the SIS team and the IT oh. team. Amazing. And ironically, last year, it was easier during shutdown to be able to have these weekly check-ins with the yes. group. Um, now that we're back in person, that's become a little more difficult. And I found myself actually, and my, if my team is listening, like I would miss certain meetings. So I've had to take a step back at least to just, I think it's more productive if I schedule bi-weekly meetings, just because then I'm, I'm present and able to attend. But it's just making sure that you have those regular check-ins so that there's no surprises. And then giving the team the freedom then to operate in between. Because if you set good mm -hmm. goals for the next two weeks and, and check in, I think that structure works pretty well. And then knowing that they can actually I think paired with an open door policy where you could just drop yes. in at any moment. I think that's mm -hmm. kind of the best way to go because mm -hmm. there are individual opportunities for check-ins, but then as far as the group to make sure that we're all on the same page moving forward again for all three of my teams. So, yeah. And I think uh, the pandemic, it did, it built the communication within our team because we were able to use the virtual format just to have impromptu because things were changing constantly during the pandemic. It was one day it was this, and then it changed the next day. So we were having those frequent meetings initially. So once we came back to in-person, I would meet with my team, the department as a whole weekly, just to provide updates and then check in with their individual subgroups uh, for meetings. And, and one of the things that I heard, uh, the common theme just coming here is the, it was a lack of communication, not only from internally, but even at the site level. So entering my third week right now, and all I'm doing is meeting with my team one-on-one -on -one meetings, as well as the site administrator. And they're just to have a face and just somebody to listen to, I think it goes a long way. And that's what, when I say my perspective is always customer service and you can just see just the change and like they're excited just for new life, new blood. And if anything, communication goes a long way, whether it's just to say acknowledgement. And, and I think that even goes with the, the, some of the team because they're set up differently here. There's the techs are at the site where I was previously. They were all stationed at the district office and then sent to their sites because it was a smaller radius. But you can see how some of the guys felt neglected. And so it's just doing you know, like those, like check in just how are you doing? Because I think just with IT personnel in general, a lot of them are introverts, but still we need to communicate and we need to touch with some kind of human at some point in time and just to say hello and how are you doing i think that'll speak well and so now i'm going to start having consistent meetings with them some virtual but we'll have at least one in person so that they will just feel the camaraderie as a team so and then i just want to add like uh, that's like the week to week and the and the interpersonal team as a manager of at any level i would highly encourage everyone to even if it's not built into your evaluation process you know it could have professional goal settings with each of your employees just so you know and they have that opportunity to say hey you know i my goal is to become you know you know the programmer for this district or somewhere else because i i've learned in my career that you know if you try to hold someone back they they're, they're yes. going to pick that up and read and so i view my role uh, is to empower my team and again make them professionally successful. If that's mm -hmm. within the Sunnyvale School District, that's fantastic. But who am I to hold anyone back and wanting to just make sure you're providing that support for anyone as to, to be able to move forward in their career? Because then, you know, if I have an outstanding employee and you keep them for five, instead of just someone you're trying to hold on, because it's all, unfortunately, I've learned too in my career that it's also mm -hmm. any position is bigger than the individual that's in it. I believe that in my chair as well with myself mm -hmm. every day that, yeah, the organization will continue to to roll on because it has to. So just, yeah, just be grateful for where you're at and empower your team members to be able to do better because at the end of the day, then you're going to get a better product. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it, like Jamie says, because sometimes 
there is not that opportunity for growth. In reality, mm-hmm. there will be opportunities elsewhere. And I was my team in the past and currently I'm like, I'll be your biggest advocate. I said, mm-hmm. I look at things like my experience and like sometimes the, the opportunity is not internally, but I'm going to try to pour into you as much as possible where you can be asset to our team. But yeah, you'll be an asset to your future employer if you do choose to go elsewhere. So that I like that journey. And I think that's a tough message as a leader to adopt at first because you feel like maybe you're not being loyal or trying to retain the great people. But I I hope that the teammates find it honest and transparent that this is the reality of what we have, but we want you to be successful. And maybe that part brings a little bit of loyalty back as well. I'm not handing them job descriptions or you know job posting from other places. That's not goal setting. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't handed job descriptions, but I have had conversations with our part-timers of, I know your interests are this mm-hmm. or that, and yep. I will support you. And this is how it might work. So you're not, you're not blocking the edge one on your web field. No, <laughs> it might accidentally go not. down, but no. I <laughs> might have a keyword alert set up. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'd love to shift gears just a little bit in talking about staff wellness. I think it again, it's thematically, it still works. And there's a lot of talk in schools about social emotional support and mm. learning for students, but there's important transfer for our adults in our schools and educational agencies as well. So are there anything specifically that either of you've done to kind of help support staff wellness or even just how you define it? Because it, it feels very nebulous. And I know I recently was reading some survey responses from staff and they were saying things like, we just have no support. We need more support. I don't know if people even know how to define it themselves, but there's something there that we really should be working on. So I guess I'll jump in first. So staff wellness, you know, with HR is kind of the response in many districts, the responsibility of human resources to ensure mm-hmm. that we have these supports and services for, for our employees. Sunnyvale is fortunate enough to have a partnership with an organization called Acknowledge Alliance, where we have resiliency and affinity groups um, for, mm. for both classified and certificated staff members at every one of our school sites. So it's basically an individual that you can reach out to and just say, hey, I'm having a tough time um, you know, and be able to talk through. It's all confidential, but they are kind of a contracted partner and site-based. And again, we made mm. this available for all employees. So basically, the, the, it started by with the acknowledgement that you know teaching is hard you know, for first and second year teachers. But luckily, we had this resource in place when the pandemic hit to just really be able to kind of take that. So that's thing one is that it's not just a list of resources on your intranet for your employee Mm -hmm. assistance program. But it really is just, you know, having literally someone there to talk to that's not your supervisor in order to be able to kind of just because life happens in addition to what your work is. And then the other part that Sunnyvale is fortunate to have is we have a social emotional learning coach, mm. which is really an instructional coach. So it's a certificated position. Obviously, she is, is focused on you know SEL lessons for our students, but it also mm-hmm. has a natural progression impact with our adults as well. So I think how I define staff wellness is actually making resources available in individuals at a low level, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense, where it's not a crisis mode. Because again, we don't mm-hmm. want folks and team members to hold things in. I got this until they don't. We want to make sure that they, you know, have that emotional quotient or whatnot and are aware of their their stress levels and whatnot to be able to take proactive action before it hits that crisis point. So I guess that's just kind of a, when you ask, when you put that question down, that's just, mm-hmm. it's a hard piece, right? Because mm-hmm. we even try to utilize mental wellness instead of mental health because of certain, mm. certain stigmas. It's just really trying to normalize it and make it as part of uh, the day-to-day, normalize it as a day-to-day resource and just something to really be aware of. And we want everyone to be aware of it. So at Colton, they, uh, since I've been here, but I, I was reading their district site pages. They have similar programs in place. Uh, I haven't been involved with the details of it, but I'll just state from a wellness perspective. I think a lot of, of several of the team members knew of me when I came on board because it was referenced of me speaking at site. And when I spoke at site, I was just telling my journey and telling the story from the lens of person in IT and all that we had to deal with. And even the feedback from that, I could see it resonated with everybody because it was just dealing with human emotion at that level. And so when I had my first meeting and even just the one-on-ones, I think they could see I was genuine in what I was stating because I know what they were dealing with. So I could empathize what the stress was. And I think even, and it wasn't just IT, like even in my interview questions, it was just surreal just because when I was speaking, 
And it was touching base on a lot of different things, just as far as the social, emotional, and like the administrators, the assistant soups or whoever online, they were all nodding their heads. And so I knew I was connecting because you could see it was just a lot of burnout. Like there's only so much you can do. Like, yeah, you have that adrenaline initially, but then like, I don't think we'll know the ramifications of just like the impact of like this last two years have been on everybody. Mm-hmm. And you just have to be up, I think just being honest and upfront with them. Like, even as a leader, you deal with the same things as well. And just having that open door where like they can come to you. And, I, and that's what I've been telling them. I'm just another avenue you can come to if you want to vent, if you want to just say what's on your mind, I'm here for you. And that's part of what we did when we had those during the COVID. We were, I just let them, if they wanted to vent, if they were frustrated stuff, I'm like, this is their opportunity to share, just get it off. Because if you're just internalizing, it's not good for your health and your work level is not going to be greatest and you're not going to want to come to work. So I think you have to be as a leader, you have to show that you genuinely do care for your team and like send mm-hmm. into a program is nice, but they sometimes they just want to someone to listen to or, mm-hmm. or listen to them or and just connect with them. So I from that experience, I just yeah, being real, being transparent, stating you don't have everything in place, you still have the same struggles as them. I think it goes a long way because Mm -hmm. honestly, as humanity, we're going through this whole process together and Mm -hmm. they should know like they're not the only, I think with anything, you're not the only one going through something. We're going through it collectively. And I think having those conversations and that dialogue, I think it goes a long way. Yeah. I I kind of hear some things you're saying that just remind me of it. I think people want to be heard. They want to be listened to. They want to be acknowledged. They want to be noticed and mm-hmm. any ways that you can do that are, are, are part of that support system. One of the things we've been talking about in our team is, is to stop saying when you're asked, how are you doing? I'm good, but busy yeah. or I'm fine, but busy. Yeah. Like in, in our specific world, busy was a point of pride and right. you couldn't, you couldn't acknowledge that you'd had any downtime. You needed to say that you were working on the weekends. You needed to send emails in the middle of the night. So we started having conversations about how that's not healthy for anybody. Mm-hmm. And if you're the person that likes to work in the middle of the night, then you can schedule that email to send out at 8 a.m. But don't bother your teammates. <laughs> and you don't have to brag about how hard you're working because we all know we're working hard. And it's a yes. so, slow, subtle shift. But I think it also does set the tone that we value your mental wellness, Jeremy. Thank you. I will start adopting that. We value you as a human and as a person, and it's not all about just the work. So Mm. those subtle messages can be so important. Well, thank you both for your perspectives on that. I'd like to shift to a more technical topic, but related to HR. And this is, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but how do we prepare for new innovations that are going to impact the structure of work. And, and this may just be kind of theoretical at this point, and we might not have any answers and we may just have more questions, which I think is equally exciting. But one of the things I heard over the weekend, uh, CTO mentor cohort 16 was in class over the weekend and they were being taught by Glenn and Bert. And so that it was educational foundations was excellent, excellent courses. But one person said, well, when we start to build our private LTE, how are we going to staff that in the evenings? I was like, oh, (laughs) I never thought about that. So my question really is, you know, how do we prepare for new innovations that are going to impact the structure of work? Or maybe we just brainstorm the innovations, whatever your thoughts are on that. So an interesting intersection then with innovation and the next Mm -hmm. step is kind of this this theme of artificial intelligence. I think Mm -hmm. it's something that is could be like groundbreaking or the, maybe the wrong tool at the wrong time when applied in the educational setting, right? Because mm-hmm. you really take a step back and you look at public education or educa- K-12 education as a whole, it really still comes down with our structures and our models, the mm-hmm. teacher in the classroom, right? There's mm-hmm. research surrounding that piece, but there's a lot of these tools that are starting to appear. And I know it's the easy application is just maybe on your like securely filters, right? It's Mm -hmm. looking for keywords, but it's just something that I think is, it may not be the innovation. I don't know what it actually is yet, but I know it's a trend that I want to stay on top of a, because there's this Mm -hmm. concern that maybe it's going to be automating jobs and taking away Mm -hmm. from, you know, from, from people down the line. But on the other hand, it's just really making sure that this tool is applied appropriately within, in the school district setting, especially Mm -hmm. being an elementary district. So I don't know. Maybe that's a start for this conversation, but that's yeah. where my mind went when you talked about, you know, the next innovation mm-hmm. and impact in education. I don't mm-hmm. know, Jamal, your thoughts. It's just something that's been percolating in my head. 
Yeah, I think now just because of uh, the pandemic and this, a lot of people are looking at tools, platforms for AV or telepresence, the ability to connect remotely and have class, uh, not physically be there. But for instance, like we cover a 50 mile radius and it's schools everywhere. So like maybe this school doesn't have this program and having the ability to connect to another school where instructor is teaching certain things, but I think it's still some of the, the negative, I think is kind of to Jeremy's point, just the, the core should always be the teacher instruction mm-hmm. because I've seen like we've had Promethean panels installed and let's say the Wi-Fi goes out or something. Then they're like lost. So like, wait, we only had these for a few months. What did you do prior to this? <laughs> so I don't want there just to be a dependence on this tool mm-hmm. where the core aspect should just be whatever fundamentals of the instruction your lesson planning to communicate to the, the students. So I think there, should, there needs to be a healthy balance. And I just know mm-hmm. right now as we're still like just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. So mm-hmm. we're just still in the learning phase. I feel with a lot of this technology right now. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think one of the things I was thinking about is does the brick and mortar building and Jeremy, you spoke about how important it is that hub, but is that going to be something that changes, but it does seem like everybody really wants the in-person experience. Everybody mm-hmm. got to see what it would look like if schools didn't exist the way that they do. And yet they're gravitating back towards, we want that in-person experience. I do think some students found success with the online portions. And so districts may feel the need to build something up and keep that running. For us, it's going to be hard as a small team to to really have that virtual academy, but I've heard other schools are going to possibly continue that. So then again, that changes the, the very nature of work and collaboration among those teachers. And then I guess just from the technical support standpoint, you know, I would encourage, you know, the IT folks out there, then if they're approached by their instruction department or cabinet with an idea, just make sure that the metric is, is what the theory of action is what's leading the way. Because again, mm-hmm. when the technology fails or if the technology fails, the technology is just a tool for that implementation mm-hmm. that it really is being put into place to impact student achievement. Like you said, Jamie, you know, yeah, there were some folks that succeeded last year in that different model. So again, that that just goes back to how do you differentiate for our you know a wide set of learners, both you know in school or providing these other tools. But there has to be a theory behind that. Don't let a project be handed to you in the IT department and expected to deliver an implementation. It has to be put it. It's the tool that's putting in the context in order to accomplish a certain learning goal or learning objective or a learning model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super strong. All of us on my team were. We have, you know, like robots. We're like, what problem are you trying to solve before we say yes to anything? And usually that's not what they were intending. And then we go down a different road and it all works out. But yeah, we lead with questions constantly before we agree. Well, I just want to thank you both for a terrific conversation so far. I want to start to wrap up offering our listeners some really concrete, like easy to implement ideas around this topic. So I was thinking I'd share... I mean, I have a ton, but my favorite, and I think ones that have been well-received, just some team building tips. I find that to be, you know, on the topic of caring for our staff and making sure they want to stay where they are, but also get built up. I'll share some of my team building tips, and then I'll turn it over to Jeremy and Jamal. If there's anything that, you know, sparked any ideas from today's conversation that you think are just kind of quick wins or things you can share, you can Mm -hmm. go right after me if that works. Sounds good. Okay. So my favorite team building tips, this, you know, you'll hear... Hints of kind of what we were talking about, some connections there. So first, when I took the position, so I came out of the classroom as an English teacher and became a program director of infrastructure and technology. And I knew how to be a teacher. I didn't know how to be a leader. So one of the things I led like a teacher for a little while, but one thing I immediately noticed was we needed a duties and responsibilities flowchart. I needed to know who was running what system and who was responsible for what. And an interesting side effect that came out of that is teammates that may have not known what the other person was doing, suddenly it was all clear. And we saw positive duplication of effort or we saw holes in that. And then once we created that, it really became an onboarding tool. So anybody new that comes into the team, we pull out our flowchart and now they know who to ask questions to based on what system. So that was really, really helpful. And then they also know how to route support tickets because Correct. they know which who's in charge of what system. That was one I would highly recommend if you don't have that, put that in place and it's pretty fun to make. Yeah, that uh, was one that, that we're, yeah. we're planning to implement because there needs to be that delineation of roles and responsibilities. So that is a beautiful thing right there. And then my second one is having adaptive weekly meetings. I 
I think there's so much power that can come from being together. And we've been meeting in it virtually for the past two years, but still weekly. And because we have Slack and we had such a strong team going into this, yeah. it, it hasn't, we haven't missed a beat, but some, just some top things that I add is I always have a section on there for district news. This I added in the last year because there were so many things changing with protocols and COVID re- re- requirements. And, you know, I just wanted to make sure they heard directly from me what was going on and could ask yes. questions. So that stayed and that's popular. So we always lead with what's going on in the district. And then each teammate does a quick check-in and report. And I find this helpful because everybody has that chance to share what they're working on. And then we also have a section called, what do I need help with? Where anybody can post a problem that they're having and we'll all problem solve it together. And then we do it. We have a section called wins, fails, and lessons learned. And I find this so important because everybody really owns their mistakes, but also acknowledges when they're learning something and we can celebrate something great that happens. So that's kind of part of our every week uh, meeting. The next one I have for you is celebrating milestones. It's a little bit of Groundhog Day sometimes in technology, even though there's new challenges and amazing things are happening. There is that routine of like, oh, it's SPAC season again, or, oh, it's time to get ready for summer school, or, oh, we got to rebuild the lab. Mm -hmm. Like there are those things that just cycle. So I started making sure we're acknowledging birthdays, but we also added work anniversaries. So I looked up everybody's hire date and when they joined the team. And so I joke like, oh, I'm employee number eight, like in the tech department, right? So we have, everybody kind of has their number and we just kind of have fun with it. So we celebrate work anniversaries this year I added the hundred days of school, like the little kids do. Cause I thought that was a big milestone <laughs> with all the changes. And then last year I added a Google slide scrapbook to kind of a, a project. So starting in January, I started snapping pictures of virtual meetings, funny messages on Slack, anything I could find that just was happening in the team, crazy emails. And then at the end of the year, I had a slideshow for everybody. We could just look back on uh, 2021. And then the last couple that I have as ideas one of my teammates suggested this. We were having a difficult time. There were a few teammates that weren't getting along. And he said, we really need to do a, a project together. All of us should be in the same room and like, let's work this out. So we tore up a computer lab together and it was everybody. It was TOSAs, it was level ones, level two, system admin, all of us in there rebuilding a computer lab and having a really good, a good time together. So I would encourage that if there is a way to do a whole group project, that would be something that really does build, build the team. And then my last two for you, one, we've got a Wordle competition going on right now. It's amazing. We each post our scores each day and uh, there is a Batman Funko bobblehead at the, at the end of the week for the, for the winner of the Wordle competition. And we're, there's a lot of strategy going on and sharing of uh, start words and things like that. So that's pretty great. But we've also done things like on February 22nd, so 2-2-2-2, we had a salad bar lunch. It was our first kind of get together in a couple of years, which was fun. I also look for opportunities in the community, like music in the park, we can get together and families can come. Mm-hmm. And then my last one, and, I, and then maybe this is one both of you can contribute or, or share your thoughts on, I think having a mission and a vision and core values as a tech team is so important. So mm-hmm. for me, we say things like always protect instruction be dispensable, which is a little controversial, but I tell them like, you should, you should not be doing the exact same thing tomorrow. Like you should be teaching others around you. You want your job to change. You want to keep elevating. So don't job hoard, like give it away, teach everybody. The other one we say, especially after the pandemic is family first. If somebody comes to me and they have an issue, it's like family first, like go take care of it. Like we'll, we'll back you up. And so what I've learned is having these clear core values helps with that ambiguity piece. So if the person is ever on their own trying to make a decision, they know the core values of the team and then they can make that decision without having it to come to me. So I think those are, again, those are kind of six, six ways that are very concrete of, of how to build your team. Well, that's fantastic. So maybe I'll just piggyback a little bit on, on that last Please. one. I think a team building activity, it gets them thinking kind of at a higher level is just taking like your district mission statement or vision, or in our case, mm-hmm. the, the Sunnyvale equity statement. And, you know, how does information services, how does IT, how do you contribute to this? And mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a stretch, right? Because it's not a compliance block that you want to check, but it, it sparks conversations and there is, to me, there isn't a right answer to that. It's like, I don't know, like, this, like we're still trying to figure all this out. So what ideas do you have about this? And I think some mm-hmm. of those ideas came up and, and opportunities for, again, led to personal growth or mm-hmm. just if we're going to walk the walk and we're, you know, we have to, if we're going to talk to talk, we have to walk the walk with those pieces. So mm-hmm. not as fun as some of your other 
with your other ones. Just a couple other random ones. And I, I'm mm-hmm. pretty known for just kind of random contests. I think that's uh, mm. how I kind of get through the day. So for example, well, I can't take credit for this one, but a couple of our te- my team members, they will put like a trivia question within embedded in the newsletter so that if you mm. get to this level, you know, here's a trivia question and a, and a prize and a, for an answer. And it's usually tied to a team member. I may have been subject uh, of a couple of those initial trivia questions and for that piece. But yeah, that's kind of fun. Like you infuse a little bit of fun into your, you know, the weekly newsletter going mm-hmm. out. Another random contest is we got a new, what is that called? Water bottle filling station in, in, in Ooh, the, yeah. first the district office. That's a big deal. And it has that counter, right? Like a little yes. counter number on it. So I just made up this contest where whoever got the 3,333rd bottle saved, <laughs> some random. I don't know. These are just little random things. And so- Yeah, I love it. It, it may have had a little bit of, as it got closer to that number, productivity may have actually gone down as people started to hover around <laughs> or whatnot. No, but I think all of your ideas were fantastic and, yes. and ways to just, you know, break the ice a little bit and break up the routine, I think are just super helpful. So I've written down a bunch of uh, of yours. And so I will be taking credit for those over here. <laughs> Please do. Please. Yeah. I'm sure I stole these from other people. <laughs> Once we we celebrated the 10,000th ticket, that was a fun one. So we yeah. made certificates for the person who put in the ticket and the person who solved the ticket. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Like, right? Yeah, that's random. That's great. Yeah, and I think I would just pick it because we implement most of what you had in place. But I would just say if you just add food to everything except mm. you already have food. Like, our team just loves to eat. So. Mm. <laughs> When they're like smiling when food is involved. So like, yeah, when food is involved, all right, that's a, a team building experience in itself. Mm-hmm. And I'll give credit to my former CTO, Patrick Giddis Rabungo. He he says hi to both you, Jamie, and you, Jeremy. Uh, he's familiar with both. But yeah, he when I came on board, he had retreats like one or two a, a year where we would just, the tech team, Tosas or EdTech, we would all just go off site and just have fun activities to get to know each other and talk about our goals and talk mm-hmm. about our accomplishments and do it with food involved. And so that helped build up the camaraderie and just the connect in those ways. So that was another thing that we utilize as well. So I like all your ideas for sure. And I will be implementing them as well and taking credit just like Jeremy. (laughs) Well, I think it's time for us to start to wrap up this episode. It's been amazing to share ideas with both of you and learn from both of you. So Jeremy, I really want to thank you for joining us today. I know we'll be connecting more in the CTO mentor program as we work together on our courses And before we say goodbye, though, I want to invite you to offer some shout outs or gratitude or appreciation. So Jeremy, the mic is yours. You have a a minute to share whatever you'd like. Excellent. Well, thank you for that. I just want to be appreciative of every, I guess, supervisor that, that has believed in me and allowed me to progress in my career. That's just something that I don't take for granted. And I really, we touched on it earlier in the episode to just really kind of pass that along. And then it occurs to me that I may have failed to mention my wife in the introduction. She is also a certificated staff member. She is now working as a school counselor in a neighboring district. So I just wanted to just, yeah, we, you can imagine some of our conversations at night. It's just about from certificated side at a middle school and my side from a small elementary district, but um, just wanted to just really appreciative of her. And then a lot of the, the CTO cohort from cohort 13 and cohort mentored, and then just site as an organization has just really been helpful again in my career path to have just somebody to be, reach out to, uh, be it my old mentor, be it another colleague, a coworker, Jamie, Jamal, like it's just, mm-hmm. it's going to be, fa- it's fantastic network to be a part of. And, and again, mm-hmm. providing me this, even this opportunity to uh, be able to impart some knowledge on some folks. So uh, always grateful for that as well as a great association and I'm just so proud to be a part of it. And just in case it makes the cut, I don't want any calls or emails to me. Um, Santa Clara County is 1,304 square miles. I said 26 because that was what Cupertino Union School District was. So if that makes the cut, I'd like that. I'd like this fact check in there on myself to take it into the recording. So thank you. So heading out, I want to thank our awesome site team that makes this podcast possible. Thank you to Andrea Bennett. Tuta Bentitu, Laurel Nava, and our new friend, Charlie Wolford, for being here. And thanks to Jamal for agreeing to partner on this podcast. It's awesome to have you here. And Jeremy, we have one final question for you. So would you rather, for a communication, you can only text via emoji or not text at all? Oh, emoji. 
<laughs> Definitely. Um, uh, I am trying to pilot the emoji evaluation. So that's all it is. It's just not brilliant. Uh, I'm visual. So pictures are the way to go. So. And I think our younger employees would appreciate that. So you're, yes. you're, being, you're being inclusive and sensitive. And another, yeah, fantastic recruitment tool. We're so, we're so hip. Yeah. <laughs> or the mere fact that I said hip means I'm not hip. <laughs> and with that, friends, we're going to say goodbye. Thank you for an amazing episode. Have a great week, everyone. 